Might as well do our bit for the king, hadn't we? Maybe this lot will burn off by the time we come back to land. I was wondering about the getting off. Perhaps we should get off separately, then get together on top. What do you think, Mac? Quite sound, that. I'll go first, of course. They walked to the planes, which were already parked in the takeoff position. The sky in the east was turning pink when Paul Hyde completed his pre-flight inspection. The mechanics seemed quite proud of the bullet hole patches they had completed overnight. Hyde mouthed a compliment, fastened the collar of his leather flying coat tightly, and automatically held his hand a few inches from the exhaust pipe which ran along each side of the cockpit and ended just behind it. The pipe was cool this morning, of course, but Hyde always checked. He put his left foot in the stirrup on the fuselage and swung his right leg into the cockpit as if he were mounting a horse. When that exhaust pipe was hot, getting in or out of an SE-5 was a task for a careful man. Hyde's first burn on the inside of his left thigh was still tender. Seated, strapped in, Hyde looked around carefully in the pre-dawn gloom. The glow of a nearby light mounted on a pole behind him helped. The SE-5A had two guns, an air-cooled Lewis on a foster mount on the top wing, which fired over the propeller arc, and a synchronized water-cooled Vickers mounted in front of the pilot, slightly to the left of the aircraft's center line. The Lewis used a 97-round drum that mounted on top of the weapon. The Vickers was belt-fed. Both guns were 303 caliber. The Lewis was an anachronism, mounted above the top wing in the SE-5A, because it rode there in the Newport 17, a rotary engine scout now obsolete. At the full forward position on the foster mount, the gun fired above the prop arc along the axis of the aircraft. To clear a jam or change the drum, the pilot pulled the gun backwards and down on the mount. Flying the plane with his knees and fighting the 100-mile-per-hour slipstream, he cleared the jam or rested the empty drum off and replaced it with a full one. While still in the retracted position, the weapon could be swiveled through a limited arc and fired upward into the unprotected belly of another aircraft. Sitting in the pilot's seat, Hyde checked the circular drum magazine of the Lewis, made sure the cocking mechanism was lubricated and moved easily, made sure the trigger cable was properly rigged, and pushed the gun forward on the circular mount until it latched. An extra drum was carried in a case above the instrument panel. Then he turned his attention to the fixed Vickers, which was much easier to reach. The Vickers was dependent upon the proper functioning of the constant Tinesco synchronization gear. If the hydraulic gear developed a leak that hand-pumping couldn't overcome, the weapon was useless. The cockpit in which he sat had been modified by the squadron. The armored seat had been removed, and a wooden bench installed that allowed the pilot to sit much lower in the cockpit. The original huge windscreen was gone. In its place on this particular machine was a small, flat piece of glass that deflected the slipstream over the pilot's head. One of the mechanics leaned in and shone an electric torch on the instrument panel. Hyde studied the levers, dials, and switches in front of him. On the seventeenth day, 
they seemed like old friends. Mounted on the panel were an airspeed indicator, altimeter, compass, tachometer, switch and booster mag, and petrol shutoff. Gauges informed him of oil and air pressure and the temperature of the radiator coolant. The mixture and throttle controls were on the right side of the panel. For reasons no one could explain, they worked exactly opposite of each other. The throttle lever was full forward for full throttle, but full rich required that the mixture control be all the way aft. A fuel pump was on the left of the panel, and a hand pump for the synchronization gear was between his knees. The control stick had a ring mounted vertically on the top of it, hence its nickname of spade handle. In the center on the ring were two toggle switches, one for each machine gun.